Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. What was it that made you agree to do this podcast episode with me? Oh, you really? <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm going to try something new. Our personal relationship, first and foremost. <laughs> Our excellent rapport. Um, that's what made me want to do this. Um, I think it felt like the right type of content, to, like right on brand. So I often don't get to speak about this side of me. I think um, people have different perceptions of me and know me for different things. But um, unless you work with me in my professional life, you don't necessarily talk to me about professional things, right? So I don't right. always get to showcase what I do um, mm -hmm. because there's so many different sides of who I am. So I thought this is great because I get to talk about the professional side of me, but not the boring professional side that I do. <laughs> Sorry, is there a boring side of you at all? Sorry, is there, there is no boring side of you. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I can be boring. Um, I can definitely be boring and serious and all the rest of it. Um, but I try, I try to leave that on my nine to five. Like when it's my own time, I try to be fun. Like that is, I just feel like life's for living. So when I'm on my clock, I, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to have experiences. I'm trying to catch a vibe. I'm trying to joke. I just, I want to be flirtatious. I want to live my life. Like that is, that is me in my personal time at work. Okay. I'm, I'm all business. You can't get anything out of me. I'm ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't get in trouble being flirtatious though. That's, that's my problem. But then again. Uh, oh, I me. never do that. I, I never do that unless I think it's going to pay off. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. All right. You ready? I'm going to do the intro now. You ready? Okay. Thanks for listening to the Young Pros Talk podcast. This is episode 21. My name is Redmond. I'm solo hosting again, you know, due to restrictions here in Ontario. There is no Harris today, but everybody keeps asking, where's Harris? Is he coming back? And the answer is yes, he will be back. But now I want to turn our attention to this episode's incredible guest, who is all the way from the other side of the pond and has made her life here in the frozen, frozen tundra that is Canada. Ijiro Ogboru. Ooh, I think I messed that up. Do I want to record that again? Did I mess that up? It was kind of there. Let me see. Okay. And then I'm looking at your name through the Zoom, and it says it's got additional letters to your first name. And I was like, whoa, I don't remember her telling me that. <laughs> That's because I, I, I was trying to save you the, the mouthful. <laughs> My name is such that even Nigerian people can't say it. So <laughs> Okay. So why, don't you, why don't you just, for the record, you know, say your full name so we all can experience oh, it greatness. Your okay. full name so everybody can experience the greatness of the name. My full legal name is Ejirogene Olubemi Okboru Ogolaja. Wow. 
Okay, sorry. That I is. <laughs> So anyway, my name is Edgero, Edgero Aguaru. Most people actually call me Edge. I, I say that I rebranded like five years ago because it's just easier. Um, it also helps with introducing yourself when people see the name. It's kind of scary. I love my name. I've always liked it. I've, I've always liked people call me Edgero. But if you, my thing is put respect on my name. If you can't say For my sure. name, use one of the, you know, authorized names and i give there are three alternatives if you don't call mm. me any of those we're not going to be friends because i've given you opportunities so yeah okay. edge, edge is what most people call me and that seems All right. i'm just gonna go with edge for ease of me myself you know yeah. but i promise the next time we have a conversation i will have practiced fully and have it right okay right. that is like speaking a single second language or something so um but welcome to the podcast thank you for um, having me Let's just start off. I always ask everybody the same question. I was trying to switch it up a little bit with you, but you know, let's just, you know, if it ain't broke, don't try to make it better. Um, just tell You're everybody. you turning into a Canadian. <laughs> trying to. I'm look, applying for my passport right now, but you know, keeping that American swag. It's already too. started. If it ain't broke, they try to make it better. Okay. <laughs> you, guys so, uh, stay, you guys stay where you are. No one's, no one's going to come backwards with you. That's fine. <laughs> So uh, just tell everybody about yourself. Let's get it going. Tell us about you. So hello, everybody. Um, my name is Edgero. I am an illustrator slash artist. I call myself an illustrator because um, I'm the person that you tell your ideas to and then I make them come to life. Mm -hmm. um, I'm experiencing that right now. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've always... I guess I've always been an artist, but we could say these days, the more rounded way to say that you're this other person is you can call me a creative. I am a creative. Um, Nigerian descent, um, but I'm a bit different to other people just because of my background. I've lived in a lot of places and I think every single one has left kind of its, its mark on me. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like I would say identity wise, I'm mostly British Nigerian. Sometimes you'll catch me and I'm Spanish, but I'm mostly British Nigerian. I don't know if you're gonna ever catch me saying I'm Canadian, but it's early days. <laughs> What's wrong? So so why are you in Canada? I just had enough of the Brits. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I just have enough I just have enough of Britain and particularly after Brexit, it just started feeling like a hostile place to me. So, um, like I said, I'm Nigerian, but I actually grew up in Spain. And then when Brexit came around, British people on the whole are, I guess, a little bit like Canadians. They're very polite. So it's unpalatable to them to say what they really think, you know? Right, they, right. They, they call it tolerance. Really? Like, we're a very tolerant society. But the thing about... I feel about like all my British friends are like not like that at all. Like, they say what's on their mind. Okay. But are time. your British friends white British? No, they are black British. Okay, so there's a whole, there's a different. Where where are the other? Where the people they talk about when they say? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where the people they look at and they go, so where are you? Where are you from? And you're like, I'm British. I'm from South London. Uh, but where are you? Where are you really from? <laughs> I understand that they do that here in Canada too, though. Of course, but it's it's a particular thing in Europe because their mm. their identity is I'm from here, right? Whereas mm. at least Canadians and Americans, even though they think that they're from there, they know 
that mm-hmm. back in the day, a white person came from Europe, right? They're talking right. about European culture and Caucasian culture. They know it came from somewhere, you know, right. and they, they have a sense of pride. They, they may not say that they're that these days. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're in European lands, they're like, well, this is my land. This is my language. You know, how fair, did you get fair, true. true, true. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. Sorry. Um, I was just going to ask, before we get into the art stuff, you know, yes. which is the, the, the nitty gritty of the content today. Um, so what made you decide to move to Canada as opposed to going somewhere else like Australia? Did you even look at other places or was Canada like, this is the spot? It's funny you said Australia because I did consider it. So I would say about five years ago, maybe mm-hmm. six Oh, she's 2021, so six years ago, potentially yeah. seven. I just things have just moved so fast. I went to. I mean, it's only friend. it's only January, so it's still kind of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to visit my friend in South Africa, and we went to university mm-hmm. together. She's she's British Jamaican, and she was living in South Africa and had such a nice life: company car, her own apartment, lived wow. like really close to like the beach. She was just living mm-hmm. her best melanin life in Africa. I don't like I- the best melanin life. I like that. I am writing that down right now. <laughs> best melanin life. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I just was like, so you mean that I am suffering in Europe when I could be in Africa living my life? <laughs> I just was like, because the view that you have a lot of the time, even if you do go to Africa frequently, is Africa is a continent. Each country has a very different experience. So I'm Nigerian, and Nigeria in many ways is the ghetto. Like we we bully people. We're like the bullies of uh, Africa. We're like the Americans. We tell everyone we're better than them. We're the loudest in the room. And in many ways, we are better. But when it comes to infrastructure and standard of living, let me just tell you, we're trash. So when I went to South Africa and I was like, wait a minute. So you don't have to live in the ghetto in Africa. I was like, whoa. So I became obsessed with what just living abroad and knowing mm-hmm. that I could get better. Mm-hmm. And then I did some research and realized that South Africa doesn't want me because at the time <laughs> I was working in advertising and they have a list of um, appropriate jobs and mm-hmm. any immigrant will know what those are, you know, the correct mm-hmm. jobs, the ones that mm-hmm. people want you to do science and <laughs> engineering and medical right right lawyers all of this. <laughs> right. and uh that's not what i was in there was no marketing on that list no one wants a marketeer no one wants someone who works in advertising so i was like okay so south africa is not gonna have me and then it became a thing of where am i gonna go and i did some research i thought australia would be it a lot of my friends white friends mind you were moving mm-hmm. to australia at the time and i thought well let me check it out i did i did hear a lot of bad things about it from a racism perspective but I'm the type of person that wants to make up my own mind about things so also I'd already grown up in one racist society so I'm like you know I've already done Spain how about can Australia be um (laughs) so (laughs) I was like I'm gonna go down there check it out um I did have a friend um, who now lives here, and she's the reason I ended up in Canada. This is a very long story, I'm telling you. No, it's okay. It's all about you. We got tons of time. (laughs) Tons of time. (laughs) I'll I'll get to it. Um, And so I went to Australia to check it out, and I can testify that Australia is beautiful. 
like mm -hmm. great weather, amazing food, some of the best food I've ever had in my life. I had in Australia. Like I would go back just for a food tour, especially Melbourne. Um, the people were nice as well. I'm, mm -hmm. I didn't actually encounter any type of racism, but there was, it was very obvious to me that there was a complete vacuum of black culture. And even in mm -hmm. Europe, there is no vacuum of that. Like you can still see some element of blackness, even okay. if it's a negative one, right? right. Even if you right. see black poor people or whatever there was just no blackness the amount of times right. i'd be in australia i'd see someone tan like i'd see a bald man and think oh my god it's a black person and like rush over to go talk to them and then you get there and you're like oh it's an asian person <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry man i thought you know i thought, yeah, I thought you were as a bro but i see that <laughs> But you know, melanin still winning. Melanin still popping. <laughs> um, melanin still popping, and that kept happening. And this one time, when I got to Sydney, I did then bump into some black people, and they were saying about the same thing that when black people bump into black people in Australia, they stop and they look at each other, and they're like, "You're black, and I'm black," and there's like a moment. <laughs> and I just thought, I don't know. It just felt like a lot. The men were gorgeous, but I'm not ready to give up on black men just yet. I was like, are you really ready to just never have the chance to be with a black man again? And I was like, nah, <laughs> it's not for me. I can't stay here. It's too far. It's too far. <laughs> I need to go home. So um, I went home to recalibrate. And then my friend that told me I wasn't going to like Australia said, you know what? You should... You should consider Canada, and I had I knew about Canada. Obviously, people move to Canada all the time, but I just right. never considered it because I thought, well, it's cold, and right. if you know me, Redmond, I don't like to wear clothes. So I'm like, do you know me? <laughs> you speak, like I'm a shorts and crop top type of girl, and you're telling me to move to Canada. What's in Canada right. other than snow and maple syrup? I was just so confused. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend had never been as well so I was just like so you're telling me to move somewhere that you've never been on the basis that Drake is there <laughs> so not a good I, enough reason these days is to move because Drake is here I, I don't know I, I don't want to come for you because you're a light skin <laughs> guy and you know it's your season uh, <laughs> <laughs> It is not enough that there is a bearded light skin man across the pond yeah. for me to move there. No. No, um, summer is my season. Summer is my season. I'm telling you, like, I love tanning. I love going when the sun is out and getting that nice bronze. You know, the wintertime for me and my skin is just not good. Like, it's lighter. It's, 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 it's drier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the summertime just feels like love for me. This feels like, oh, yes, I should be under the sun all the time so um i try to be darker i i wonder if i'm gonna take that part out actually but no continue sorry continue no, don't take that part out you own it you like your <laughs> dark, like dark is good and i think it's it's weird to me as well sometimes when people start talking about this stuff is it's very new this whole pro-blackness pro-melanin thing is a mm -hmm. new thing especially like pro-africanness as well We've only just really, as a community, started being really bold about our blackness, our love, for us, our, our love for our skin. And rarely did you hear before recent times, I want to be darker. So if you want to yeah. be darker, you say it with your chest, man. Well, you know, you know what it is? It's not even like, this is going to sound weird. It's not even like 
uh, a racial thing or a black thing for me. It's just that I just find that when the sun is out and I'm getting, I'm absorbing those sun rays, I just find my skin feels healthier. It looks healthier and stuff like, like just everything just looks for me, just looks nicer, right? It just feels better. You know what I mean? And then on top of being black, obviously that's just like, you know, the melanin is popping. So like, that's why I'm saying like the winter time is not like, I can tell that my, this, this colder climate is not meant for my skin because it's, it's dry. Like it takes a lot of shea butter and cocoa butter to keep it moisturized. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I have never consumed so much lip balm in my life. (laughs) And let's, let's put this into perspective. We're in lockdown, so I'm not even outside. Right. I mean, I have, I'm like, I live in the dry AF and I'm applying and I'm applying and I'm like, what is going on? Why am I living yeah. so dry? Yeah, so it is not it's not good on my skin. And I prefer I just find that when my skin has when it gets the tan, it just it just feels healthier, you know. But sorry, continue your story. The Canada is where you ended up. Now you're here. Yeah, and now I'm here. I checked it out and I was like, actually, I really like Canada. And a lot of the things that I was afraid of, like the extreme cold, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, have not, well, it's not that they've not materialized, but the cold is not that deep. As long as you have the right equipment, as long as you don't walk out in your cheapest sneakers, I've said that to a North American audience. Um, as long as you, you want to say runners, <laughs> no, I want to say trainers. I want to say trainers. Oh, trainers, um, yeah. As long as you don't walk out in your cheapest trainers and a shirt, you'll be fine. Like some of these Canadians yeah. are out in flip flops in the snow. Like I'm not this on that true. level. But if this you invest in a good winter coat, that coat's gonna last you years. Often, mm-hmm. I'm sweating when I have all my layers on, mm-hmm. and I get somewhere. There's sweat there. I'm sweating. I'm too warm. If anything. Um, yeah. And the summers are incredible. What summer? Yeah, Toronto summers are definitely the one thing I can say. Even during the pandemic, Toronto was, I felt like it was a great summer. There was still, they. I, I would give Toronto credit for making an effort of trying to do things still um, during the pandemic, you know, socially distanced. And there were, there were all types of things. I went to a, a pool party thing with some friends and that was great. You know, so like Toronto summers are just like, I don't think any city, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say any city, but I can say Toronto is, the summers are just fantastic. They're the most beautiful thing you will ever come across. And I just think part of it is because there's so much to do. There's not a lack of anything to do in the city. And there's so much culture that you can learn from and interact with. You know, there's a festival for just about every culture you know and it's beautiful and, and then the food yo the food where is that for me that's that's what that's what matters for me so yeah toronto summers are, are amazing I'm, on the amazing. food element <laughs> i i have to i don't know i think food here is hit and miss but you know me I, i'm from <laughs> london so i'm elitist you know london from the uk <laughs> not the one here um yeah. the good one, the good one. <laughs> not um, london I, <laughs> <laughs> accentuate the elitistness of what I'm about to say so I'm from Europe and in Europe where we make actual good food um it's it's, (laughs) (laughs) we have we have we we're also quite spoiled and a lot of our stuff is just 
I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but a lot of things here just don't taste right, especially when mm. you get it from the grocery store. What mm. I will say is that restaurant-wise, I have never experienced such a variety of cuisines. Like mm. you can literally get the most obscure part of the world and you can mm. get that cuisine here. Like there is a mm. Nicaraguan restaurant here, which everyone's always raving about. I've still not mm. managed to go to it because of stupid COVID. I haven't been able to go. Right. I haven't even had Nicaraguan food yet. Exactly. Nicaraguan food. Apart from people in Nicaragua, who knows about Nicaraguan food? But it's here in Toronto, in Canada. Like, pretty much every community in the world, they have some kind of culinary business here. And it's been great discovering different types of food. And, you know, in London, yes, we have a lot of variety, but I think there's been more, it seems there's more food here that is authentic rather Mm -hmm. than fusion or, you know, Shouting out to your last um, guest who talks about people going around the world, taking recipes Mm. and rebranding it. It feels like (laughs) the food is here and by the people and it's more authentic. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. Now, let's get into the art, right? Which is what we hear about now. Of course. You're settling in Canada. Um, How long have you been here now? Um, Just over a year. Okay, nice. So you, you... You've, you've had a feel for it. Now, my first question for you, since it's about, you know, you moving from the UK to Canada, did moving to Canada, do you feel like it helped you express your creativeness more? Definitely, mm-hmm. because I have creative block in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so, I, I've started this business that I'm going to talk about all my art thing in a in a business focused way um before i moved but when i realized that what i wanted was to move i became obsessed with it so i had to do everything within my control to get here so mm-hmm. i would have sleepless nights thinking about the visa application thinking about how i was going to pay for the next element of that and when i'm so focused on a specific thing i find it really difficult to be creative Mm-hmm. Um, or at least creative in this way like I also write which I don't really rate myself for but I do and it's yeah, I read I some of that don't 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 hold yourself I, I read some of your writing okay and and I found it um very entertaining I meant to tell you I think you should write like one of those um romance slash um erotic novels you know <laughs> erotic yeah <laughs> Like I felt like I felt like your stories were like it was romantic, but then it was a little bit there was a sprinkle of like extra extra. You know, read all about it. You know what I mean? And it was entertaining, you know? So don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short. Okay, okay. Well, we're not here to talk about that today. No, we're not. Um, although if you want to talk about it, listen, it's just you know, just Sorry, I, I, I flirt, like I said. Uh, I am a flirt, so here we are. Also, I'm stuck in Canada. There's nowhere to put that energy here. I'm just going to come One more time. There's nowhere to put that energy here. I feel like it's better received in the US of A and in Europe. Because here, I'm just like, whoa. Like, I just, I'm not even inspired to write erotica. Like, there are flowers more erotic than some of these Canadian dudes. I, 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 I probably shouldn't know. say erotic, actually. I was trying to find, like, <laughs> something that was, like, what was the next level that wasn't, like, explicit? You know what I mean? Because it wasn't explicit, right? No. But it was 
it was detailed enough for you to understand what was happening. Yeah. You know, so, um, but I, I, I'm going to digress. I'm going to go back to the art. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's easier for me to write when I am stressed mm. than it is for me to draw. And I've mm. learned that about myself in this process. And I think it's because for me, writing is very cathartic. So when I have a lot of feelings, the way that I make sense of them is by writing them down and then reading through mm. them. Like, okay, this is how I feel. Um, whereas drawing for me is more like birthing something. It's more like, it's more like, tapping into my mind's eye and then doing it justice on paper right and when my mind's eye is frustrated mm-hmm. I can't do that and I don't know mm-hmm. if this is going to make sense to anybody but it's just my creative person I've learned this about myself if I am stressed mm-hmm. out and you mm-hmm. give me a pencil mm-hmm. I am likely to draw trash or I mm-hmm. would not like it and okay. therefore it's trash you might like it but if I don't like it, you're never seeing it. I have stacks and stacks of sketchbooks that no one's ever seen. And yeah. you're never going to see it because I like it. So you're saying your mood dictates how your creative expression is at that time, and whether if it's writing or if it's drawing. And when you're stressed, it's writing. But when you're, um, do you have to be like happy to draw or is it like varying levels of of how you are feeling emotionally to be to still be able to draw. I don't have to be happy, but I mm-hmm. think I can't be tense. Mm-hmm. And I can't have a lot of pulls of my attention elsewhere. And I think okay. this is where it's a little bit harder when you're a creative mm-hmm. and you still have to juggle the professional world mm-hmm. is that often I would find myself not being able to justify mm-hmm. spending time creating because it is quite time consuming and it's very therapeutic and I've always done it and I love it. But when you're now adulting and you've got to do Mm. a bunch of things, you then find yourself going, this feels frivolous. And I think it's also the way that I was socialized as well to think that, yes, I'm creative, but it's a hobby. It's not a real thing. So when, when you have real life going on, yeah, mm-hmm. like, well, how can I justify this hobby? You know, mm-hmm. right. as much as I love it and it's a part of my identity, it's I always used to feel that tension, and often I would just prioritize. I would end up prioritizing the other thing. Right. Do you think that, um, and not to to remove from the art too much, but do you think that uh, society and how the system is set up is like that's that's the reason as to why, for example, I was talking to some friends the other day and I was talking about how school is so focused on kids needing to know this, this, that, and that, instead of, okay, this is what they're actually good at. Let's cultivate that and then teach them how to monetize that. You know, so do you do you feel like I see how we are taught in society to to move along in our life is is part of the reasoning behind, you know, oh, art, even though I have a passion for it, even though I love doing it, it's a hobby. It's not something I could actually make um, money off of. A hundred percent. And you hear that reinforced over and over again. We're again in a really good intersection now where 
people are seeing the value of art, they are seeing the value of creation, and they're only seeing it because it's monetized, but it's the new, it's tech that has facilitated that, right? right. My parents are very like traditional Nigerian parents. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, my mom's always been very encouraging of all my talents, right? Mm-hmm. She's never said, stop drawing. It's always just mm-hmm. been, just know that this isn't the thing that's going to make you money. And as right. a child, I remember when you'd learn about artists and the really, really successful artists were all dead. And I was just <laughs> like, what? So even if I'm a great artist, my stuff is, has more value when I've died. Like this yeah. seems a bit morbid. I don't want to be dead before I make money. Like that is what's going to kill me. So um, <laughs> I just, even, even at a young age, I perceived that. So a hundred percent. Whereas now, People like with all different types of artistry, let's talk about makeup, illustration, video game design, like a whole mm. bunch of things. When mm. you would leaning into that and you had that talent, your parents would have told you to pick up your books instead. And you, say you, you did that as I did. Mm. Now your parents are like, wait, weren't you really good at drawing? Why didn't you focus on that? And I'm like, have you? <laughs> Are you this? Are you not there? And my mom really had to go at my sister the other day. She's like, So you don't even know how to do hair or makeup. Like, I'm seeing all these girls that are making money, and you're just here. You don't even know how to do hair or makeups. I'm like, Wow, well, mom. <laughs> how the tables have turned now. <laughs> yeah, all these musicians that were definitely told, those rappers, musicians back in the day, their parents did not respect them. Now, yeah. Stormzy's out here buying his mom Bentley. She's like, I only find the first class. If it's not the music that he produced, when he decided not to listen to you and did his own thing, will you have first class to sit into? No. (laughs) Things are changing and it's an exciting time. And but for some of us, sometimes I feel really sad that I didn't listen to this voice that I had sooner. That I needed to be more grown to feel brave enough and able enough to do what I'm doing now because we've missed the heyday of when you could get organic growth on Instagram, when YouTube was in. Right now, everything's so saturated. It's really difficult to be original. It's really difficult to be authentic because everyone wants to do the formula that they know is going to work. And there is no value in um slow growth anymore just one instant and if you're not um if you don't have a million followers from day one you're you're not a success (laughs) and i just feel like people if you're in this journey and you're leaning into your passion and it's a craft like Mm -hmm. you need to realize that it's a craft right you're it's not gonna happen overnight and that doesn't mean that you're not succeeding yeah you're right and and I think that um, it, it's a, it feels a bit different for people like us who are starting to discover our talents and try to move forward with them later in our lives. I mean, I shouldn't say we're not old, right? But we're not in our 20s no more, right? We're not 25 no more, you know? So, like, life changes to where, like, the older you get, which I'm what I'm learning, the older you get, the more responsibilities you tend to have because of the things you're trying to achieve. So, like when you could just chill and be at home and not have to pay no bills and focus on those things, you know what I mean? You don't, you don't have that opportunity anymore. Right? Because now it's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This art thing or whatever creative process you're doing. Now I got to pay bills. I got to, I got rent, you know, I got to pay for food. I live alone. 
if you live alone um, and, and things like that. So, yeah. but so when did you first start? Cause I know we talked about you having your business and starting it up several times, but like, when did you first start doing art? As far as I remember, remember, I've always been drawing things, even really? from when I was a child. That is, I have really? always done it. And I used to think it was odd because my parents aren't artistic. And I very recently I said to my mom, isn't it weird that I draw? Like, don't you think it's strange that I'm the only one that does this? And my right. mom was like, no, your granddad was an artist. Oh, really? Like, oh, really? No. <laughs> like, no one had ever thought the need to tell me that my mom <laughs> had to be an artist. So I'm like, maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe it's a genetic thing. Right. Um, but, like, none of my other... My other sisters have different talents, like... One of my sisters is really into music and fashion. The other ones are like mm. big on makeup and the other ones really like into literature and, and photography. So we all have mm. our different arts that we're into. Um, but for me, I have always, I have always drawn. Um, when I was younger, I used to draw and sing like as a child. And I was like, I'm going to be a singer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a singer. But that didn't. That didn't pan out. <laughs> so, so um, you were you were uh, you know killing kindergarten. It sounds like uh, I don't know if can if, do they have kindergarten in, in the UK. I don't know how to. Yeah, they have kindergarten, kindergarten in the UK. Has okay, okay. Um, but when did you first realize though? Like, oh my god, this is something I actually like and can do and and enjoy. And I'm good at it. And you're good at it, exactly. Um, probably secondary school in art which class. Is, which is so like, what's, what's the level like, for, what's the level for the American here who's got teenager, like, teenager level. I was, so like, I was like, high school? Yeah, high school. So the ages okay. of like 13 upwards. Okay. And okay. when I was, I did study art in school and I used to do because I was like, yeah, I think I can draw. But then when you're in art class with everyone, you realize, mm-hmm. no, I can draw. You look really cut. Like, um, <laughs> like, I'm up here with the people who can draw and you guys are not, you know, I don't want to put down different types of styles of art because like I have a style of art that I produce. I have a mm-hmm. style of art that I like to consume. And then there are other styles of art that I don't consume and I don't necessarily like because I don't find them visually appealing, but I still mm-hmm. respect because to be able to produce that, that's, that's just not a skill that I have, right? So, right. um, but when I, when I was around 17, 18 and I was studying graphic design, that was the last, that was kind of the, the intersection when you have to decide what you're mm. going to study at university or right. college for the, right. for the North American crowd. And then you think, <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to decide between my passion and paying the bills. Right. And I could have gone to art school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have gone to business school mm-hmm. and I went to business school. So um, just a question off the top of my head. How do you think if you had went to art school, let's say everything else turned out the same way, right? You, you end up in Canada, you end up working in a job that, that pays well and everything. But how do you think um, going to art school will have impacted how you draw today? 
Honestly, I'd be able to do so many mad things. I reckon I'd be an animator. If I if mm. I had gone to art school, I'd be able to do everything. I'd be I'd be out here 3D modeling also. <laughs> because like you artists like especially illustration is a craft that you can it it always you can always grow, right? You can right. always learn a new thing, you can always perfect it. Like I feel mm. like that's one of the beauties of being an artist is you're never happy. Like things are never right. just Oh, that's perfect. There's right. a time when you're like, okay, that's done and I like it, but you mm-hmm. can always change something. Like, and I think most artists are perfectionists and there's always something that you're like, feel like that's awesome. And you're like, I fucked up the hand. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, so you're like, oh God, I did. I really like, oh, that eye. That's it. And you'll be looking at the eye and the eye's looking at you and you're like, I know I messed you up. Okay. But people like you. <laughs> Stop looking at me like that. Okay. So, so you would say you you're pretty um, harsh critic of your own work, like you're almost like a perfectionist of of. Do you have anything you would say is the perfect piece you've ever made? Mine? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> None. None. Nothing I make is perfect. Everything, if I had more time and more skills, I could make better. And do you know what makes you feel worse? Like they talk about comparison is the um, thief of joy, mm-hmm. but. You think you can draw, and then you go on Instagram, and you're like, you know what, forget it. Like, forget it. I'm just going to pack it all in. Have you seen these people? I don't know. Obviously, time lapses are not making it easier, but it literally right. looks like there are people who can look at a person and draw a photo. I'm not even talking yeah. about an artistic impression. They can yeah. literally paint a photo of someone. There's some, there's some guy that does this on the on the, on the subway. On the New York subway. And I'm like... Yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this guy. How can you do this? Obviously, he doesn't add color and stuff, but what he does and the amount of time he does it, considering these people moving around, this guy is basically God in my yeah. eyes. I'm like... He's pretty... I don't know. I don't follow his account, but his stuff comes up sometimes and he can draw people really instantly. And it's crazy because it starts off just by um, kind of um, outlining shapes and stuff. And you just, you're like, what is this? It's just like he's just scribbling something. And then final product is like, wow. Yeah. You know, so I, I know that's that's crazy. But as far as the type of art you do, like what would you say is the there's so many different styles of art. You know what I mean? And and what would you say is the style of art that you do specifically? Like that's your niche. Mm. See, I think knowing what style of art you do can be very like elitist. Because, like, <laughs> art school, fine art school is like, are you contemporary? Are you, are you this? Are you that? Are you like Michelangelo classics? Like, I I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I, I would say I'm obviously on the modern art side of things. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people look at it and they will say that it's, um, a lot of people call my stuff cartoony, but I don't, I don't think it's cartoony because I don't do characterizations of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just do... I make illustrations. I particularly like drawing people. I like shapes. I really like patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of line work. Um, I think really you just have to look at it, to be honest. But yeah. it's like my favorite artist. Um, and I always come back to this guy. And he is old school, like really old school. He is called Muka. Mm-hmm. And he was from the Czech Republic. And back in the day, he used to make adverts. Um, but he essentially would draw um, women, like European women, in very like feminine environments. Lots of florals, lots of patterns, mm. lots of. 
and he would just always really adorn women. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I love that style and a lot the like that's what I like. Enthusiast, huh? He was a female enthusiast. He was a female enthusiast for sure. <laughs> and I think back in the day, probably he was doing what is sex sales because you'll see women like slightly disrobed, selling their <laughs> and you're just like, ooh. He was really pushing the boundaries back then. But now we will call it art. And he probably would not have called himself an artist. He probably wouldn't have liked his art back then because he was making advertising, right? Mm. And that is also one of the reasons I didn't go to art school is because I thought, okay, what's going to happen here is I'm not really going to have artistic um, control. Because when you end up working for money Mm -hmm. uh, in your craft, you have to produce something that someone else likes. Right. And then that becomes a friction between what you want to do as an artist and what that person wants. And a lot of poor artists literally are spending time right now changing shades of green. And you're like, you think you're done. And the client's like, see, I don't know if that green kind of, I don't know if it says, does this, I don't know if it says middle class income. I really think we should go for like a... Like a periwinkle instead. And I'm just like, shoot me now. If this is what I'm gonna do with my art, like it's not me. I rather I rather have full creative authority over what right. I make. Right. And you have that control when you work for yourself as an artist. Right. Right. And you don't have to work for for the brands. And right. that's the other thing with like content creation sometimes. When you a lot of the people who are jumping onto it these days are not necessarily jumping onto it because for themselves, they, they just want to be rich. Right. So they have to copy and they're not original. And I think if you're a true creative, that's really upsetting. There's one thing to be inspired by and everyone draws inspiration from other artists, everyday things, but it's another thing to really feel trapped by a format and having to be in a category to make money. That's true. That's true. So to um, go into, because you do do your own art pieces that you come up with, and then you also do commissions, yes. right? When you're drawing for other people now, is the creative process different when you're, you're doing work just for yourself or when you're doing work for others? Or is it, start, is it all start the same? Oh, it's very different. Very um, different, okay. When I do work for others, it's all about their vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is it that? they see and when I'm illustrating I I'm bringing to life something that you have imagined but you haven't seen right you're imagining something but you don't have the ability to create it that's why you've come to me because I'm going to create it for you so everything is about what is the feeling that I get from the client or whoever is briefing me or commissioning me when they say they want to create something and most of my commissions actually I'm not going to say most it's a real mix but the commissions I love the most are where there is no reference photo for example mm-hmm. so you're not saying to me I want you to draw this in your style it's where you tell where you give me free reign and you say I kind of think I want this and it would be and then I then translate that into something based on mm-hmm. the feeling that I got from you right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are the best that's my best work and I love doing that kind of work for people then even when you give me a reference photo I'll normally mix it up like I do a lot of portraits for people which is I I want to I want to portrait myself I want to see myself in art which is great right. but I do a lot of calls and I ask them who they are what they're into so that I can 
translate that into the portrait. Whereas some artists don't need that. But I feel like if I'm going to create something, each portrait needs to feel different. It can't just be a face. It needs mm -hmm. to be you. It has to have an aura of you. And, and that is very different to when I've just imagined something. A lot of my ideas are inspiration. So like I said, I love drawing women. I'll see a beautiful mm -hmm. woman Instagram, I'm like, oh, I really like her pose. I like her body. Mm -hmm. And that will then be like, oh, well, she was doing this, that, and the other. And I think, okay, I need to draw that. Or mm -hmm. some, some stuff comes to me in dreams. Mm -hmm. some, stuff, wow. some stuff is completely random. I've, some mm -hmm. days I just sit, I'll be watching something, and I'll let my hand move. And it's, it's crazy wow. to think that. I don't, I'm not even necessarily looking. Like, I'm mm -hmm. looking, but I'm not thinking. And mm -hmm. then I'll just draw something. And I'm like, oh, okay. That was random. <laughs> I didn't know I wanted to draw that today. Um, and I'll just draw it. And it's weird how often that happens. Wow. So on that note, though, you talked about, you know, um, women's bodies and, and black females' bodies. And I noticed that a lot of your art um, or a theme of your art is very reflective of black femininity. I think I said that work right. Don't you, don't you, um, don't you give everybody a bit more insight as to why that is and what what draws what is it that draw, i mean i guess the easy question to know what draws you to draw on black women you know what i mean but like for you what is that all about well i mean i'm sure you can't tell from the voice but um <laughs> so i really feel it's a group that i can um relate to and i really <laughs> um so <laughs> i um yeah so i don't know my, the whole reason I set up this business is because mm. I wanted to see black bodies, black mm. faces, black moments in art mm -hmm. and mm. in commercial art. Mm. And I didn't see that. It's now that we're starting to see a lot of this stuff. But even with sometimes things like social media can become an echo chamber. And then you think that you know, because all the artists I follow are black artists, that their work is everywhere. But then you actually inhabit the world and you go to a a gallery and you're rarely going to see a black artist. You go yeah. to get a greeting card and there was artwork on it, but you're rarely going to see a black face. Right. And I I hate that. Yeah. So for me... You know, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I don't know if you hear it during this time, but actually um, the AGO actually had an exhibit a couple of years back that displayed black femininity. Oh my gosh. Femininity. <laughs> you know, these are two big words for this American boy right now. No, I'm just <laughs> um, and it was, it was nice. You know, I don't know if you knew about that um, exhibit. I don't Also, I'm not sure if you were here cause you've only been here over a year. Right. And yeah. I think that was back in 2018, maybe 2019, probably 2019. Um, I'll try to find the work and um and send it to you and see if they have any like photo ops or anything during that or a description of the exhibit but um so my next question to you though is regarding the the, the art you you create reflecting black femininity i thought i was gonna mess up the word again um i noticed that there's there's um it shows women in the nude or you have drawings of women in nudity um, why is that? I just think that our natural state is not a thing of shame. 
mm-hmm. despite mm-hmm. what uh, all the Christians and religious <laughs> want to say. If I see a naked body, I'm not offended. I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's a naked body. Like, to me, I'm just like, okay. Like, the weird thing is that we put clothes on. It's not weird to be naked, right? It's just God or our creator gave us this sense of shame. And right. now, oh my God, like, it's a nude. But to mm-hmm. be honest, we, we need to see more nudes. I We need to see more nudes. And we need to see more natural things. Like, even when I draw women i rarely draw them looking perfect like you will not see a fake boob or a perfect nipple that is <laughs> you're not gonna see that my art will not have better breasts than me so help me go <laughs> i will not be doing that um so i just feel like i just i don't know i think there's beauty in all of mm. like imperfections nudity to me feels tender it's playful i think it reflects mm. my personality and mm. i genuinely i just think it's it's beautiful especially the female form like i mm. i draw men but and i obviously love looking at men but mm-hmm. uh <laughs> there's just something about women i just think yeah, i completely women. agree with you though beautiful i completely agree with you like do, do you not get any disagreement on me from me on that part. But do you think that um, the lack of more art displaying nudity is because it tends to be, especially women's bodies, tend to be more sexualized? And, yeah. Yeah. And it's because when women's bodies are displayed, it's normally with sexual intent, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you'll see people want to post a picture of them breastfeeding their child and people mm-hmm. are like, oh, that's so sexual. Why should we? But like, that's actually why women have breasts. Mm-hmm. It's, right. it's for breastfeeding. It's not mm-hmm. for the male gaze. So mm-hmm. why is it a sexual act that she's feeding a child? Like, where do you think kids come from? Like, I just, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird to me, some of the things that go on. But, you know, and when we see naked bodies which we see a lot more of and i think a lot of people are kind of desensitized to it now it's almost Mm -hmm. it's almost like the natural female state is becoming devalued and Mm -hmm. you need to look a certain way Mm -hmm. for people Mm -hmm. to accept that you're beautiful you know Mm -hmm. and a normal girl with rolls a belly pretty face if she gets her body out it's like oh gross put it away and then Mm. a a model looking one or someone with loads of plastic surgery Mm. gets out and we all applaud them and then you know they're the chart topping and all sorts but the girl next door that just wants to be empowered or wants to let's say she wants to tan in her garden or she's judged and her body is gross but honestly her body is hers and your body is yours and you should be able to do whatever you want with it and it's fine how it is so I think I try to enhance the beauty in natural bodies where I can um these days I don't really draw as much of that because I'm I'm really starting to do a lot more commissions and people don't tend Mm -hmm. to ask me for nudes I I love drawing Mm -hmm. nudes it used to be mm. my thing when I was dating, like 
back when I used to date in London, you know. <laughs> good old days. Pre-pandemic. When you Pre-pandemic. Good old days. <laughs> um, I have a sketchbook full of uh, nudes of guys. And I'd be mm. like, I, I'd be like, okay, so as you know, I'm an artist and I'd like to draw you. And do you know how flattering it is to a man to be told that I'm going to draw you? But you're also fidgety. You can't sit in one place for half an hour or even <laughs> 10 minutes. But yeah, like I, I, I'm, I just think nudity is just natural. Um, you can see that in the way I dress as well. You can mm-hmm. see, like, if you know me personally, you know that to me, nudity is not even a thing. Like, I don't. Right. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the uh, business a little bit. Now, when we were talking, you told me you, you started your website several times, you know, and, and for, for many different reasons, right? And um, why did you feel like when you moved to Canada and you started to, you launched the website and everything, um, why did you feel like it was needed for you to do that now for your business and your brand? Everything has come together for me in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it's Canada in particular, but in my timeline, in my journey, everything that I've been working towards seems to have come to a natural um, formation here. Mm-hmm. And before, like things that I used to say I didn't have like time, or excuses that I would make. I didn't have any of those last mm-hmm. year. I didn't have any of those. I didn't have any creative block. I didn't have um, a million people demanding uh, me, my time, my energy, my creativity. And when I was alone, when COVID first started, all I wanted to do was draw. So I, so I did. And initially I knew that I wanted to restart my business again, but I didn't think I'd be able to do it so quickly. Have, Cause you know, I've been here a year and I was still not mm-hmm. even a year in. I just didn't think I would get any clients that no one would know me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I'd lost a bunch of followers on my art page because I just stopped creating and people mm-hmm. just not going to follow something that is not being refreshed. Right. So, you know, all my followers I'd lost and I just had to build again and all the rest of it. But I was like, I'm just going to create because I want to create and I'm going to publish it because I want to publish it Mm -hmm. and publishing it. People found me from hashtags and they were like, can you commission this? I was like, Oh yeah, great. And then, then suddenly the demand is there and Mm -hmm. I want to do this and I've always wanted to do it. And I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it right. And I'm not going to get scared this time because one of the things that scared me the first time is it's not that my business didn't go well. It's that it went too well. I wasn't prepared for the demand. I wasn't prepared for the um, responsibilities that came with having a business. I wasn't prepared for some of the costs. I just thought I'm going to create something. It's going to be fine. But suddenly I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm doing prints and I'm doing greeting cards. I've got to print them all in bulk. I've got to store them somewhere. Then I've got to distribute them. I've got to go to the post office every day. You know, all of those Mm -hmm. things that you, Mm -hmm. obviously you know that you're going to have to do them, but then when you start doing it, you're like, Oh my God, this is a lot. This is a whole business operation. Right. Right. (laughs) And then people are not just happy with prints. They want merchandise. They want phone cases. They Mm -hmm. want, commissions and you're like oh boy like I didn't you know and then suddenly I'm like having to 
scale up and I'm mentally not ready for it. I only just convinced myself that mm-hmm. people wouldn't even want this stuff. And not only do they want it, they want more than I can produce. And that is one thing that I'm constantly thinking about is, okay, so I get big. I can't, I'm not a machine. I can't draw every minute of every day to keep right. up with the man. Right. So what's the right balance between creating art that I want to create and I think has a message and I want to look at versus chasing commissions and dollars and all the rest right. of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm still in a little bit of that. Um, but what's different about now is that I believe it can be successful. Mm-hmm. I see the value of it. I want people to have access to this. I thrive on the effect that my art has on the people that like it. Mm-hmm. And um, I've shifted from seeing it as a hobby to seeing it as a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm treating it as such. So it's getting that energy. It's being prioritized. I'm investing in it. I'm buying equipment. Like, can we just talk for a second about the cost of being a creative? People just think, <laughs> uh, right. oh, you're a creative. Oh, you take photos. Oh, you just draw. It's expensive. <laughs> equipment is expensive. Paint is expensive. Paper mm-hmm. is like expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, starving artists are starving for a reason. Like, <laughs> you know, you want to do a podcast, you got to get a mic. Like, these things are like, they're not cheap. And people are always shocked. Like, you know, I do digital drawings as well. Mm-hmm. The tablet that I draw on costs like $700. That is, right. that is a lot of money, <laughs> you on know? Top of, um, like, if you want quality stuff, right, yeah. you have to pay. You can't get dollar store paint, right? No. You got to get good quality paint to create a great um, piece, you know? And it's the same with podcasting. You got to get, you don't have to spend a lot of money, but if you want decent quality, you have to spend a little bit of money yeah. and it takes time on top of, you, you know, everything else associated with the cost, right? Like you got to pay to have the website, right? You got to, you got to pay if people want stuff shipped, you got to pay for that. You know what I mean? Taxes, people depending on how see much. It on social media, you got to exactly. pay for that. They've killed exactly. the algorithm. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it does cost a lot. But, you know, my next question for you is you, you do have a day job, right? That, that's not art related. Um, so talk about the dirty word. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Um, so, um, my question to you is, um, what is my question? Oh my God. I didn't lost track of my list. What happened? (laughs) Um, so, so how does, okay, there's my question. There it is. How does your day job, how does it impact your ability to to create and and to engage and create original content? Because obviously you have a nine to five, so you, you're doing a nine to five from nine to five, right? So like, do do you think that it contributes, excuse me, contributes to creating art? Or do you think that maybe sometimes it, can be um, a bit of a distraction from you being able to create new art? It's a bit of both. It's a distraction in that it it takes away time and headspace Mm -hmm. um, when I have to think about strategic things that I have to do at work and or office politics or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes away time that I would obviously have, especially if you don't have a good work-life balance at work, which 
working from home has allowed me to do because it means like I I just I just shut off like when it's my time it's my time um I don't feel any social pressure from seeing people around me working late or anything like that I just leave it I'm like no Mm -hmm. um I'm gonna go and do the things that I want to do and um having that nine to five is very motivating because it's so different and I have no control over how I work and what I do there that I and I find it I my nine to five for me is is mostly frustrating I'm very good at my job but I'm mm. also very much powerless because I work for a big corporation so right. when you're an ambitious person um which is what I was going to say about what well, that's what young pros talk stands for for me um <laughs> when you're an ambitious person and you're doing something and you know that it's not in your vision and you know right. that it doesn't define you mm-hmm. and you're doing it it's just so galvanizing to think, I know that I can do more than this and I'm going to do more than this. And this is a temporary state and it pushes me so that when I am not working, that Mm -hmm. I am pouring time into things that I know are fulfilling, the things that matter and the things that I know I'm going to grow and I'm hoping are going to be the thing that gets me up on Monday. So um, it it helps a lot. Um, And... yeah it really drives the creativity in that what I do is so restrictive and not creative Mm -hmm. in the slightest that Mm -hmm. it's so freeing when I'm sitting and I'm drawing I'm creating something and I'm imagining and I can do that right right great so all right so we got to go into um we've actually been talking for like an hour now it's all it's all good it's all good so we got to go into like a speed round or wrap it, wrap it up. How do you say okay. fast in Spanish? Okay. I'm ready. How do you say How do you say fast in Spanish? I don't know. How to rapido. Say rapido. This is round rapido. Okay. Okay. So, um, and you know, you can ponder on the questions. You know what I mean? But I want to try to get through them because I I did write a lot of content. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of good stuff, and you're such a great speaker. And I'm like, geez, I knew this was gonna be. Look at that. He does like yes, I'm a great speaker. <laughs> I'm a great speaker. Okay. okay. So let's let's go. Um, so question number one. And there's like 10 questions left. I just want to let you know. All right, that's right. I got about 10 yeah. questions left. Question number one. Um, do you have a favorite artist? Yes, it was uh Muka. Spelled M-U-T. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I had another question that somebody wanted me to ask you. Your catalog of art is impressive. Like it's massive, it's large, right? And you have a lot of work. Do I like you... my art, like I like um <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, carry on. <laughs> do you uh don't kill me, don't kill me. Uh do you work on your art every day or do you set aside certain times to actually work on your art? It's not daily, but it's mm-hmm. it's frequent. Um, okay. And obviously, the stuff that is on my portfolio is the stuff that I think is worth sharing, and I think it's 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 you know it's it's good. But I have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's not good. I I do a lot of doodle sketches, like I just draw. I draw a lot of faces, like random faces. I have a book of just faces, like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. just just faces that come to me. Um, but yeah, I I draw regularly, but I, it's not that I set a time aside unless I have a project that I have to deliver. I'm okay, not going I must draw today. Um, but it's 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 nice to do that whilst you you know listening to something, watching something, you know. 
the biggest the biggest competitor of my time is really I love I love to nap. I love to sleep. <laughs> so like I, it's a, it's a, anyone who knows me knows if you don't hear from me for hours, I'm normally asleep somewhere. Um, and that I can sounds like it. It sounds like it's an important part of your creative process, though. Since you oh, get yes. from dreaming, so napping is just like you got to have that nap to keep those cre- creative juices flowing. Yeah, a lot of things come to me in dreams, um, mm. and I remember a lot of my dreams, which is weird. But yeah, a lot okay. of ideas become clearer after falling asleep. So yeah, sleeping nice. is a big thing. I think I spend more time sleeping than I do creating. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love sleeping too, but I love food way more. Um, True story. What? do people tend to be more interested in though your merch or your custom work it's weird because i've only just started offering merch now so mm-hmm. i think it's too early to say okay. people see merch is merch is more of a style thing because um, i say that because of the merch that i'm selling right now most people are buying the clothing Mm. Um, so I do I do interior decor I do mugs I do a, a range of things but most people I do prints as well but most people right now are buying the clothing they really like the clothing mm-hmm. um, um, but that doesn't mean that I don't do commissions either mm-hmm. I think it really depends on what that person wants if they really like my art as is and you see something and it speaks to you then you're like yeah that's the thing um mm-hmm. whereas if you like the style and you want to see yourself in it then you know I think the type of person that does merch uh versus the type of person that wants a commission they're very different and there's room for all of them so right now I don't yeah like it's it's a real mixed bag to be honest Okay. Okay. And, um, is there anybody in the world that are alive? This is like my new go-to question now since the last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anybody in the world that are alive that you wish you could share your artwork with? My granddad. Mm, He was, this is the artist, correct? Yeah. I never knew that about him. And I, I didn't get to spend any time with my granddad really when he was alive because um, mm-hmm. I was born in Nigeria and then we moved to Spain when I was four. And then my granddad passed away before, um, yeah, just before before I was my own person with a personality and was doing mm-hmm. all this stuff. So I didn't really get time to bond and ask him and see the things we had in common and you know, there's so many mm. things that not just my art that I would love to have been able to speak to with my with my granddad, like talk mm. about colonial Nigeria and things like that. So right. yeah, actually, if there was anyone, it would be my it would be my granddad. Wow, I think it's interesting because listening, I know you listened to my last episode with Ag, um, and she she her answer to that question was her grandmother, right? And then if someone were to ask me the same question, you know, who would you love to share, you know, your podcast work now with? It would be my grandmother um, who who passed away a few years ago. But, you know, grandma, believe it, a lot of people don't know this. Grandma uh, originally funded the dream for me. You know, she, she, uh, I remember having to sign a contract with her. She, she loaned me $500 to, to get equipment and, and that, um, and at $500, I bought like a microphone. I bought all of these other stuff. I think I set up the website, da 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 But I had to pay her back in, mm-hmm. in that contract. I had to pay her back 
when I think it was when I got my tax refund or something. Da da da. da. And uh, this is like now I'm just sharing a story. It's not even this episode's not even about me, but uh, I gave her the money back. It was the first thing I did as soon as I got my tax refund. I gave her the five hundred dollars back, and she gave it back to me, and told me to continue to work towards the goals. You know, so that was like that was that was an uh, it was a crazy moment for me. Not crazy, but um, and you know, there's so much power in someone close to you believing in you and so much power in that because it's all the things that were holding me back were not thinking I was good enough not Mm. thinking Mm. why Mm. why you it's all those negative voices and Mm. a lot of the a lot of the time is internal dialogue you don't even tell people you believe these things so it's so it's so powerful when you hear someone that you respect and you value tell you no i believe in you and that little voice grows and fights your internal voice i'm my biggest critic most people most people believe in me way more than i believe in myself i'm like guys you Mm. you look really (laughs) rapey i'm just like yeah i understand that (laughs) You know, I was like, okay, like if you think I'm gonna be president one day, sure. But <laughs> I'm not even For trying sure. to laugh at that. Um, <laughs> right. so, um, yeah, like I, I think it's really, it's really, really powerful when someone believes in you. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. So, a couple more questions for you. Um, this one is, what what do you want people to take away from your artwork? I want you to take away that black is beautiful, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. feminine is beautiful, Mm -hmm. you can see yourself in art, black joy Mm -hmm. is still a thing, Mm -hmm. you deserve art, it is accessible to you, and you can, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine it, you can touch it. So Mm. that's that's what I want people to take away. This almost feels like the poetry episode now. Like I just want to snap my fingers to those words. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people are really missing out on the visuals here. I'm just saying. I know. I know. not going to film me. And when, when the male audience sees, they're going to be mad at you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, I'm going to listen. When, 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 when the restrictions, you know, when they are lifted a little bit, and the studio is back open. I'm gonna bring you back, okay? I'm gonna have to figure out some different questions, but yeah. I'm gonna bring you back, and we're gonna have. Because when we initially we scheduled it for today, we were supposed to be in a studio. You know, you was ready to find, you know, let everybody know you existed and be like, maybe you find your husband type of thing. You know, all of That's that. Right. That's right. But, <laughs> but uh, then you know we went into this lockdown, and then you couldn't go to the studio. And uh, and I, I honestly just doing I, I I love that vibe in the studio. It doesn't it it's not you can't replicate that um, virtually, you know, unfortunately. But um, you will be back. I just want to let everybody know you will be back on the podcast again. I love so. You. <laughs> my final question, just kind of my favorite question, just to ask people, just for fun, right? Would you be? Ooh, wow. My words are just jumbling up today. Would you prefer to be the first in something or the best at something? The best. The best, huh? The best. Who Why cares does nobody want to be first? first? What everybody remembers the first though. 
Do they? <laughs> okay, maybe not. Yeah, you remember you the first. Remember the first computer. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But the computer is an inanimate <laughs> object, though. No, but like, like think about it like this: like, you remember Obama being the first black president? Like, you remember stuff like that? Yeah, that's because it's happened in your lifetime. Who was the first president? George Washington. Think about that. So yeah, I feel I, I I don't know. For me, I just want to be the best, and it could be because I'm Nigerian, and that's who we are. We just mm-hmm. want to be the best. But like, there's so much like being the first doesn't necessarily mean that you're the best. You've just mm, done it. There's so you're many ideas. Good. That right. get better as they, you know, they grow. That's, so that's I, I want to make the best thing, the thing that lasts, the thing that people want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, people will remember it for diminish your contribution because we mm-hmm. need the first to beat to get to the best. Right. And very rarely is the first the best. Very right. rare. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. We are gonna close it out. Edge tell everybody how they can connect with you get in touch with you see your work just just lay everything out so people know what it is okay lovely okay so if you want to see my work um you can follow me on instagram and the handle is edgero underscore designs and edgero is spelled e-j-i-r-o if you're a thirsty kind of listener and you just want to look at pretty things or take a lot of selfies, <laughs> and you can follow me on edge underscore naturalista, edge spelled E-J underscore naturalista. So I'll be waiting. You can you can get me on all of those handles. So yeah, that's it. Okay, that's it? Website? Oh yeah, the website. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you think I promote the website after how many like once I spelled code in this thing? Um, yeah, it's www.edgerodesigns.com. Mm, all right, thank you, Edgero, for coming through and being on the podcast. And if you guys would like to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's the same thing at Young Pros Talk. Um, if you want to ask us any questions, have any comments about the podcast, youngprostalk at gmail.com and rate us on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.